Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downing. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duckstream in Anaheim from the Paul Korea studio. I am your host, Alexis Downey. Now, as I am recording this, it is game day for the Anaheim Ducks, game number nine on this 10-game homestand. And this one is against the Edmonton Oilers, this being Wednesday night. Now, we are officially halfway through the NHL season. We have marked that halfway point as of this week. The season is just flying along, especially this homestand that the Ducks are on. Although, in some sense, it does seem like it's been a long couple weeks, but that's probably just because of the holidays. But with it being the halfway point, here is an update on the NHL standings. In the Metropolitan Division, the Carolina Hurricanes lead with 57 points, followed by the New Jersey Devils, who have 55 points. The Devils will be in town for the final game of this homestand on Friday. In the Atlantic Division, the Boston Bruins are leading with 68 points, not even close. In second place is Toronto with 57 points. That's a total of 11 points as the difference. Moving on to the Central Division, the Dallas Stars lead this one with 56 points, and the Winnipeg Jets are behind them with 53. And lastly, the Pacific Division, the home for the Anaheim Ducks. The Vegas Golden Knights are leading with 56 points, and the LA Kings are in second with 54 Now, overall, if you look at the NHL, the Boston Bruins are leading the league by a mile with a 32-4-4 record this season, 19-0-3 at home at TD Garden. That is no regulation losses. Crazy to think about and very intimidating to go into that arena right now. But following the Bruins in the standings, the race is pretty tight between the Leafs, the Canes, the Stars, and Vegas, just to name a few. Switching gears a little bit, going back to last episode, I know I mentioned that Canada won the World Juniors, but today I wanted to go in-depth a little bit more and hear more on the tournament from the perspective of someone who was actually there. NHL.com's Mike Moriel spent a number of days in Moncton and Halifax covering the action recently. He's been on the show before, and we were very excited to have him back on to give all of the details from the tournament. And he joins me now in this next segment to break down what he saw. Joining Light the Lamp now is a voice that's joined us previously, and we are happy to have him back. Mike Moriel, glad to have you back. I know you're coming off a long trip with the World Juniors. How are you doing? Very good, Alexis. Glad to be on the show. Always great to talk to you. It was uh, it was a long 10 days over in Moncton and, and Halifax, but uh, two cities that really embraced the World Junior Championship. Uh, the fans loved it. The atmosphere was great at, at both venues. Um, and obviously, uh, the tournament was fantastic with the with the players there, uh, and even the 2023 uh, uh, eligibles were outstanding at this year's tournament. So overall, great event. And I know this was something that we were just speaking about, but being able to go to the tournament and feel the fans back in the building, and just how much of a difference that makes, and for you to be able to be there once again. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, when you sit 
in Moncton, the way they had it, Alexis, it was basically uh, Media Row was like right in the fan base area and one of the se- in one end of the rink, and um, you could just feel it. I mean, you, you felt everyone in the game. I mean, the electricity was there. Even outside the venue, they have like a, a little skating rink for fans. Um, they had a big uh, television screen, so obviously fans in Moncton couldn't get to see Canada, so they were able to watch them while they skated outside. And the temperatures weren't that bad. I got <laughs> I got to admit. I mean, usually, you know, on the East Coast, we're kind of used to that weather, that mm-hmm. that cold weather. But you know, going to Moncton and Halifax, I was preparing for the worst. Uh, but it was it wasn't that bad. I mean, the temperatures were between like 25 and 35, so actually oh, that it wasn't good. that bad. Yeah, yeah that it, was, it was good. it was pretty good. But I mean, overall, fantastic event. And we know, like you know, the World Juniors, Alexis, is that ultimate platform for the young players to, to represent their country on the biggest stage at an important time in their career. And it's also a time for them to, to show the organization that drafted them uh, or those organizations that could draft them, you know, what they're capable of against the best players uh, in the world in their peer group, in their age group. So uh, I thought everyone w- was outstanding for all the countries, uh, a lot of surprises as well. So it was, it was a real fun event. For you, what were some of those surprises? Well, you know, off the top, I would have to say I, I, I think, and I think everyone appreciated the fact that that Chechia w- was was you know right in the mix there until the very end with Canada and what they were able to prove. They finished fourth in the tournament in August, the summer tournament at the World Juniors, um, and everyone knew what they they were capable of doing. Uh, you know, they had a lot of returning players on that roster, um, and I thought you know coming into this tournament they had you know, a goaltender that, you know, could do some nice things for them. Um, and he was able to do that. And, and Thomas Chichanek, uh, yeah, uh, he became the first goalie in tournament history with two assists uh, in a game. He finished with four assists, which was a record uh, for the tournament. Um, and he's a 2023 draft eligible. Not many people knew about him. Mm-hmm. Plays for Tri-City uh, in the Canadian Hockey League. So uh, this is this was a tournament for him. Uh, obviously he was able to shine and do what he did. And then another player that just jumped off the sheet uh, for me was from uh, Slovakia, uh, Adam Gayen, another 2023 draft eligible Alexis. Mm. He, he was one of the tournament's biggest surprises, 18 year old. He had success at the start of the season with Chippewa, the North American hockey league before committing to the university of Minnesota Duluth on December 2nd. Then he was loaned to green Bay of the United States hockey league four days later and then on December 17th, he's finally told via a text message to get on a plane and head on over to Moncton because Slovakia needs you uh, oh at this point in the tournament. So so Adam flies all the way there, and boy, what a tournament he had. He, he beats the United States in the prelims, and then he takes Canada to the limit in the quarterfinal round, a 4-3 overtime loss where he made 53 saves. So Guyan had a 2.4 goals against a 9.36 save percentage, one shutout, uh, and he made 33 saves in that 6-3 win against the United States in the prelims. He was just outstanding, and I think no one expected uh, him to to shine the mm-hmm. way he did. I mean, he was the third goalie coming in. So those were just two of, 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 I think, several surprises, and it was on the goaltending front. Usually the goalies are the guys that really get um, beat up in this tournament because right. of all the talented uh, rosters. But credit to, credit to the goalies in this tournament. They all played very well. Well, a name that has been talked about, and especially after this tournament, Connor Bedard, I mean, just an absolute <laughs> star in the World Juniors. 
was this what was expected or did he even exceed the expectations in this? He exceeded my expectations, Alexis, hands down. I, mm. I mean, we all know that he had the talent coming in. And, you know, at NHL.com, we do our predictions leading up to the tournament. And I had Bedard as my best forward, um, you know, leading into the tournament. But never did I anticipate him breaking records mm -hmm. with ease the way he did to shatter them even. You know, this is a kid that has a hockey sense. Mm -hmm. He sees what's facing him and is able to just a adjust and adapt he's an outstanding skater he's got magnificent hands and the ability to operate in tight spaces he's got nhl scoring ability he reminds a lot of scouts that i spoke to and and when i watch him now i can see it uh, of steve eiserman uh, mm. in this regard he's got that killer instinct steve had that steely determination to find ways to be successful and and do whatever it took to win and connor to me has that same type of personality and the other thing I, I might say, uh, I'd like to say, Alexis, is, is the fact that the skating of Connor Bedard is a little different from the skating that you might see in like a, uh, a Connor McDavid or some of those strong north-south skaters that, you know, take a, you know, know where they want to go, take a lane and go. With Bedard, it's almost, it's almost as if he comes at opponents at angles. He's always skating at angles. So instead of going north-south, he's always he's maybe going north, maybe oh. a little east, maybe a little west, and he's able to change direction that way. And that's how he's able to get off that great shot. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen mm -hmm. his shot and the, the talk <laughs> of his shot and how amazing it is and the flex on that stick. He's got a 70 flex that he uses. So much whip in that stick. You see it like just bend back when he's about to – about to shoot and it's very whippy and I don't know how he's able to get that one timer off but he does but the fact that it's whippy and the flex and 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 the velocity with which he gets that shot off it just it just fools goaltenders no matter where he's shooting the puck from and he was able to do it at this tournament just an outstanding tournament by Bedard no doubt and then also he was a big part of why Canada was able to go to the the gold medal game and then also win it but I mean were you expecting them to win this? Um, I had them. I had them winning silver. I had the U.S. Uh, I had the U.S. winning gold. Mm. Uh, I, I I thought the U.S. had a, a real good defense to kind of stand ground with the Canadians. And look, I I know Canada was you know their roster was loaded with first, second round picks. Uh, just amazing. Uh, an amazing team that they brought over there. But um, yeah, I. I did pick the U.S., but, you know, Canada did did a real good job against them, uh, obviously, in the semifinal round to, to, to reach the gold medal game. And um, a credit to them, uh, you know, obviously they go down 2 nothing in that game to the U.S., but stood firm. It was Bedard that got the ball rolling for them with mm -hmm. uh, Canada's first goal. And then from there, uh, you know, the U.S. had two goals called off. The second goal called off, I can see it. First, first goal that was called off, maybe a little bit of a question, maybe mm. uh, one that the U.S. would have liked to have had. I, I can see, I can see them, you know, having being disappointed after having that one disallowed and the momentum being changed. But it was a great game. The U.S. The U.S. really uh, played well in that game. Uh, they had over 30, 34, 36 shots. You know, Thomas Milich, another goalie <laughs> who was eligible for the twenty twenty three draft. Uh, he was passed over. He was the only player on Canada's roster that was passed over in the NHL draft. And it was, it's Thomas Milch, the goalie, that really stands up tall, you know, uh, wins his final four games for Canada, 
beats the U.S. in that game, 6-2. Then he beats Chechia uh, for the gold medal uh, in overtime. So good tournament for Thomas Milch as well, the only undrafted player on Canada's roster. For the Ducks, they had three different prospects, all a part of Canada. Awesome to see them win that medal. Tyson Hines, Nathan Gaucher, and Olin Zellweger. Uh, what did you see out of those three? Yeah, for me, you know, Zellweger, Gaucher, Hines, you know, they helped deliver this gold medal. You know, mm-hmm. Zellweger and Gaucher were, were among the players representing the nation in, in consecutive tournaments. The first, of course, uh, they won the gold in, in August. But Zellweger, you know, logged a team in game high. I think it was over 27 minutes of ice time in that championship game. Um, and then in that uh, seven-minute overtime session, he was out there plenty, making timely neutral zone pinches, exhibiting, you know, patience offensively, defensively. He, he was setting up uh, other strong skaters with opportunities to carry the puck with speed into Chechia's zone. Um, he might be a little undersized at five foot nine, one eighty three for a defenseman, but he was impactful. Alexis, he, he had mm-hmm. six assists, led the tournament skaters in total ice time. Uh, I think it was just over one hundred and sixty four minutes total. His experience in the twenty two tournament, he had eleven points in seven games in August, no doubt helped. Uh, he was dependable, confident, fast, mobile, and uh, and very mobile all tournament long. So. A credit to Zellweger. I think his offensive abilities on the back end are sorely needed in Anaheim, and and he looks primed for a top four role mm. uh, on their defensive unit sometime in the future. And as far as uh, you know, Gaucher, big, strong body that plays center, always a position in demand. He can kill penalties. He's mean and an exceedingly uh, lesser seen trait these days. And and he might be a, a few seasons away, but. He's certainly a, a player to keep an eye on. Uh, Gaucher finished the, the tournament with a goal and three assists, a plus one rating. And, uh, you know, he was serving as an alternate captain as well. So he does have those leadership skills. Um, and then, you know, finally, Hines at 6'3", uh, 188 pounds, big and lengthy with some offensive instincts. Things happen when he was on the ice, Alexis. A good mm-hmm. example is, you know, it, it, the face he finished with a, a plus, no, uh, plus nine uh, for the tournament. So... Whenever he was on the ice, good things were happening for Canada. He could, he could be uh, competing for a blue line spot in the future uh, as well for for Anaheim. But he might still, you know, obviously he's going to be a, f- a few seasons away as long as he keeps pace in the Canadian Hockey League and what he needs to do to develop and grow. Uh, he'll be right there at the end. Now, I know the month of January is a busy time for you. The NHL Central Scouting midterm rankings are coming out on Friday. A couple other things on the docket. But, uh, you know, what is this month going to look like for you? Yeah, it is, it is pretty busy, Alexis. <laughs> uh, so uh, Friday, uh, obviously, we're recording this on, on January 11th. On January 13th, uh, NHL Central Scouting will release their midterm ranks, rankings, which is always Fun. Uh, it's the North top 210 North American skaters and goalies. And then on the international side, uh, you know, top uh, skaters and goalies as well. So it's always great to see who Central has dubbed as those top 32s, potential first round draft picks. I mean, I don't think there's any question it's going to be Connor Bedard number one on the North American side. But it'll be interesting to see the international ranks because mm-hmm. there were quite a few that had nice tournaments over at the World Juniors. Leo Carlson uh, of Sweden. You know, Edouard Chalet of Chechia was outstanding in this tournament. So there, there, there are a few players here uh, that could be in the in the mix for the international side. So it'll be interesting there. Um, obviously, coming up uh, January 15th, we'll have the All-American Game uh, at USA Hockey Arena in Plymouth, Michigan. 
always a fun event. We'll have the best skaters from the uh, national team development program under 18 team. And, and also those uh, American born players from the United States hockey league. Mm -hmm. They'll join forces. Teams will be mixed. It's uh, something new they've done uh, the past two years, instead of just having the NTTP against the top players from the USHL, they, they mixed the players together. So it was a lot, it made for a more interesting game last year and they kept it uh, this year as well. And then the end of the month, uh, uh, January 25th is the uh, CHL top prospects game. Another one that'll be, uh, we always look forward to Bedard will be a part of that. Some of the best skaters uh, in the Canadian hockey league, uh, uh, Braden Yeager from Moose Jaw in the Western Hockey League. He he uh, actually does a draft diary for us once a month, which is always interesting on .com. You can see his next, uh, um, uh, he'll have his next diary for us on the 13th this Friday. So uh, Braden's been an absolute terror for for opposing teams uh, with Moose Jaw. Great on faceoffs, big, big centerman. Um, he's becoming more of a playmaker, was a goal scorer last year, still scoring those goals, but he said entering this season he wanted to become more of a playmaker. So this draft is deep with fours this year, Alexis. Uh, defensemen uh, might be hard to find. They may start the defensive run, maybe a pick uh, you know, outside the top 10, uh, but inside that top 10, there's a lot of good forwards to choose from. So Anaheim's going to have their pick for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, one more thing on my end. I know since we first talked, we talked a little bit about the Calder Trophy and what that could look like this season. But I, th there's been a couple names that I think have changed it maybe right now with the way the race is shaping out. So who do you have your eye on in the Calder right now? Yeah, we just we just came out with our um, trophy tracker uh versions on nhl.com we do it for each of the trophies the calder the norris the adams the heart and uh obviously i i do the uh the calder and uh you know ran on monday and and, and maddie beniers uh who i have at at one right now is at the top of the list it's just like what maddie has been doing for for seattle this year mm -hmm. you know top line getting it done seattle's in the mix for uh, you know a possible playoff um you know, a playoff uh, getting in there. So I, I like what Matty Beniers has been able to do uh, for the Kraken this year. You know, Mason McTavish obviously is a player that's really risen since uh, the start of the season and what he's been able to do. You know, McTavish has that mindset about him to, to get to the net. He's always that greasy guy in the corners. He likes to get in there, get his nose in there. Um, you know, and that's what I like about McTavish. He's not afraid to do the dirty work to score some goals and, you know, I had him in my top five as well. Logan Thompson, the goaltender uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, to me, he's the top rookie goaltender this year and should be in the mix uh, for the Calder Trophy as well and what he's been able to to, to, to do uh, this season. So there are quite a few players that are in that mix, Alexis. I, I like the, the, you know, the caliber of rookies we've had this year. Cole mm -hmm. Perfetti, another one from the Winnipeg Jets, done a real nice job. You know, Owen Power from the Buffalo Sabres maybe doesn't have the point totals. He's still looking for that first goal, but he leads all rookies in, in ice time this year. Very steady. Uh, Granado likes his steadying presence along the blue line, so another good one there. And probably the one guy that doesn't get talked about enough, the one rookie uh, from the Ottawa Senators, Jake Sanderson, Alexis. Love the way Jake hmm. uh, plays the game. Ice time is there. He, I think he right now, the last time I checked, he leads all rookies in block shots. 
So just he just has it, right? You know, some you watch some of these players out there at a young age, and they just know where to go, what to do in certain situations, even if it's like a, a tense situation. And Jake Sanderson is one of those players. So I've been very impressed with what Jake Sanderson has done for the Ottawa Senators in his first season. NHL.com's Mike Moriel. Mike, great to have you join us. Thank you, Alexis. Always great to hear that the Anaheim Ducks prospects are doing well and excelling on the ice. It's always a different perspective when you see players in person versus when you're watching over a screen. So I certainly appreciate Mike's perspective on that. But it's time to go coast to coast now to hear the best goal calls from around the NHL on Tuesday night. The New Jersey Devils and Carolina Hurricanes faced off a battle of the Metropolitan in Raleigh. And New Jersey was the one to ultimately get the 5-3 win, but it was a tight game through and through. A big night, though, for Dawson Mercer for the Devils, who had two goals, including the go-ahead one in the third period. It was a diving goal when the game was tied at three apiece. Dawson making a great play in this one. A crucial goal for the young 21-year-old. This was his 10th goal of the season as well. Matt Laughlin has the call of the goal. But it sails through his legs. Oh, Boquist, who had scored, had a chance, thought he had a better option, and it was not there. Here's Mercer now, one-on-one with Coglin, moves across the line, cuts it front, he scores! Dawson Mercer, and the Devils lead 4-3. to three. Another player that had two goals on Tuesday night, well, that came during the Florida Panthers and Colorado Avalanche game. Matthew Kachuk, two goals with a game winner on one of them in the game on Tuesday. Two of my favorite teams to watch last season in the Panthers and Avalanche, but it's been a little bit of a different story if you're watching them this season. They have about the same points now at this point in their season in their respective divisions. Now, Florida got off to a hot 3-0 start in the first period, but Colorado stayed with them Ultimately, Kachuk closing it out with 3.30 left in the game on the power play to get the 5-4 win. Hear the call from Doug Plagans. Up come the Panthers quickly. Far side of the ice, Barkov. Winds one around, Bennett. Tied up, Reinhardt. Right point has it for the Panthers. Bennett off the half boards to the top of the circle. Down to Kachuk. Side of the net, in close. Jams away, and they score a power play goal. Kachuk got it down there, kept whacking away, and the Panthers take a 5-4 lead on the power play. It was a 4-3 overtime win for St. Louis on Tuesday against the Calgary Flames at Enterprise Center. This one took overtime after St. Louis fought their way back into it in the third period. A nice setup from Jordan Cairo to Robert Thomas for the finish ends this one just 28 seconds into overtime. A very quick finish. Listen to the call from Chris Kerber. Cadre's in, down low they go. Dragged to the middle of the ice. And now two on one in transition if they go. Kairou with Thomas. Kairou to Thomas. They score! Bring out the Zamboni! Overtime win tonight in St. Louis. The Blues. Robert Thomas puts in the game winner. And the comeback complete tonight. Now the last goal call from coast to coast comes from the Seattle Kraken and Buffalo Sabres game. 
The Kraken keeping it going with a win on the road in Buffalo, 4-3. to three. And Maddie Beneers scored early in the third period when he was in front of the net on a second-chance opportunity. Beneers now has goals in the past five straight games. And he has 34 points this season to this date, leading the rookies around the NHL. The Seattle Kraken have now also won the last six games in a row and are making their push in the Pacific Division. Everett Fitzhugh has the call of Beneers' goal. Burakovsky back in to the right side as he'll curl away from power. Burakovsky, left circle, done shot, tipped off the post, rebound, batted in, Matty Beneers scores! Matty Beneers, an all-star in his second season. The Kraken go back up by a goal. It's 3-2 with 18.54 to play in the third. Minute six into the third period, and this is an all-star play. Beneers goes to the net. It's a shot from Dunn that's deflected and off the post. Beneers battles, dives, scoops, and scores. And looking ahead to the rest of the week, the Ducks will be hosting a Lunar New Year celebration on Friday during their game against the New Jersey Devils. Now, as a part of that, the first 10,000 fans will receive a commemorative coin and special jerseys will be worn during warmups, in addition to some other activations around Honda Center. Make sure to come out for it. You won't want to miss it. Now included in that night, the Ducks have partnered with a local artist from Newport Beach in Joe Suzuki, who created this year's Lunar New Year's poster that will be featured that night. Kent French was joined by Joe in studio this week to talk about his passion for art and what the moment was like for him when the Ducks asked him to create the design. Listen in now. Coming at you from the Korea Studios in Anaheim, Kent French alongside Joe Suzuki joining us, a local artist here, and he's got a connection with the Ducks, which we'll get to in a moment. But first and foremost, I think you and I grew up in the same area. With Newport Harbor High School, I went to Estancia. It's as, that's my stomping ground, man. Yeah, awesome. It's so that we're all close together, and yeah. That's so cool. So uh, I just want to jump into this thing as far as being an artist. When did you realize that you wanted to put your expressions on paper, on a canvas, and that was something that really made you happy. Um, I think probably around high school, I was doing stuff when I was younger, just messing around, like taking our classes like right by my house, but started taking it more seriously in high school. Were you one of those guys that uh, the teacher's talking and you're in the background and doodling? Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what type of stuff were you doodling back in the day? Uh, I was drawing like a lot of waves and palm trees, like learning stuff like that. So yeah. SoCal surfer, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so surfing. yeah. So uh, surfing down in Newport Beach. Yeah. What what street were you at? Uh, I grew up on 28th, but I was going uh, towards like 56, doing surf team and stuff like that. The ledge. Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. For those uh, that are uh, familiar with the locale, I uh, went 41st Street was yeah. my hangout for Estancia High School. Like every high school had their hangout. Yeah. Like on a street, it seemed like. Yeah. So when you were, uh, so it was all surf stuff that you were kind of um, drawing and, and painting? Uh, yeah. What's up? Uh, when I was younger, yeah. What's your, uh, like, is it pencil? Is it charcoal? What, what are some of the uh, stuff that you work with? Uh, now I'm using a lot of uh, lettering in a mold. It's called One Shot. It's like a little bit thicker paint and the strokes like go like a lot farther. Is that something that you just kind of fell into? You've been experimenting with stuff. How do you come up with something like that? Uh, my friend was doing it, and he's like, yeah, you should try this out. And he just went to his studio and just started messing around with it. When did you decide you were going to take that leap of faith and kind of become 
Joe Suzuki, the artist, and be kind of uh, your own entity? Uh, so I went to college, and then after that, I was working for some companies and started doing some freelance stuff. And I was like, yeah, this is a cool route to go. Where do you go to college? Uh, Orange Coast. Orange Coast OCC. College. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you take, did you major in art there? Uh, yeah. Fantastic. And so uh, you started your own company. What are some of the things we can find you doing out in the community? What, what are some of your uh, works of art out there? Um, so I've been doing a lot of sign painting around your local and farther, farther out too. But yeah, you could see some of my signs in Newport, Costa Mesa. So are you able to express yourself through these signs? What's, what's, do you have like a signature Joe Suzuki thing that we would know this is, this is your piece of art? It's kind of like more like of an old school style. So it's like a lot of stuff's like more like modern and vinyl and stuff around here. So yeah, there's, it's definitely a style to it. What was it like when you were approached by the Ducks? Did you did you approach the Ducks or they approach you? Uh, I, have, I have a friend, Ross, and he he's like, he's like, dude, would you want to do some stuff for the Ducks? And I'll be like, yeah, that's so rad. Like I've never done something like on that scale in like the, in hockey or like any ball sports, like just surfing. <laughs> Yeah, how cool that is. Yeah. By the way, so Joe walks in here and he's like a celebrity. Like everyone's peeking their head in. Can I get you anything to drink? <laughs> Whatever it is. So like, yeah, you know a lot of people here, which is really cool. So tell us about what you're working on right now for the team. So now I'm working on the new Lunar New Year's uh, poster. And it's like a poster for a uh, Lunar New Year's event coming up. And did some like hand-drawn uh, type and some stuff, uh, floral stuff to go around the, the Ducks logo. Did you um, have anything to kind of compare it to? What were you trying to, what feel were you going for it? And by the way, the new, new, uh, the Lunar New Year, we're celebrating it on January 13th. On Friday, I'm looking at my producer, Joey Cocktails over here once again, who's uh, nodding at me that it's right. Um, yeah, so uh, what were some of the um, designs or did you kind of use any inspiration to put this together? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Japanese, so I, I've been seeing a lot of the, the symbols of like floral stuff like in in japanese culture like everybody has like a, a floral symbol that, as their last name like so i incorporated like some flowers symbols that like, kind of relate to that yeah and you showed uh, us a little sneak peek of what you brought in here to see if you can get some approval yeah. today um but it, so it's the poster yeah is am i right yeah so that's going to be all over honda center on january the 13th again this will be uh this coming friday um, what's it going to be like for you to walk into Honda Center and see your artwork on display? That's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really too sure what to expect yet, but it's good. Yeah. Uh, excited for that. Um, so, uh, what are your, if, if, you know, people want to get it, you know, see what, uh, what you're doing next or what you've been up to, what are your uh, social platforms? People can check your artwork out. Uh, my Instagram's at Joe Suzuki or at Joe Suzuki underscore art. Um, yeah, you could follow, follow me on there. And my website's linked to it and everything. So, yeah. Now, now that you have this uh, new Ducks venture under your belt, um, what's next for Joe? What do you um, think? Are you So I know that you're doing the signs. By the way, yeah. you got a sweet hat. We were just talking about it. Felix yeah. the Felix the Cat. Yeah. Where did you. that come uh, Where did that come from, that logo? Um, so I was just randomly just trying to make paintings. And then I was like, oh, it'd be cool if I had a brush and like a bucket of paint. And then, yeah. So now that you've uh, you kind of told me some of the uh, different art that you do, the different techniques you use, is there something out there that you haven't done that you've seen some artists do that you would like to try? So I actually just bought an airbrush, so I'm trying to mess really? with it. Really? Yeah. 
That's awesome. I've yeah. seen some great airbrush stuff on uh, hockey masks yeah. before, by the way. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get into that for sure. It's... All right, Ducks fans. Uh, remember, Joe Suzuki, uh, everything he's uh, up to. Again, the Lunar New Year taking place uh, at Honda Center on January the 13th. Joe is responsible for the posters. It'll be all over Honda Center. He's got a new airbrush, so watch out for that. Uh, that could be on a uh, hockey mask coming near you. Joe, thanks so much for sitting with us and doing this. Congrats on the opportunity. We look forward to talking with you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And it's time for my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. The final game for this franchise record 10-game homestand comes on Friday night, like I mentioned, against the New Jersey Devils. The team will then hit the road for two weeks before they are back for the 28th of January at the end of the month. And that one is going to be Women in Sports Night. There are so many exciting things happening that night. I cannot wait for it, and I'm going to have plenty more on that coming soon. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again right here on Duckstream for more Hockey Talk. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duckstream.